Welcome back to the second part of the message from Luke chapter 4, 22 through 30, entitled, Seeing is Not Believing. When someone rejects Jesus, it is heartbreaking. In this study, we are seeing the people in Jesus' own hometown saying no to him, violently saying no to him, and we get to see how he responds. If you've ever been rejected, you will be encouraged by Jesus' example. Here's Pastor Tim. In fact, I would tell you, what is this, number four? That they were repulsed at his, at them being the target. That's really where they are. They are now the target of this comparison. Notice what he says in verse 25. He says, but I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Let's stop there for just a moment. We've been studying this on Sunday nights. In fact, we've gotten, we've gotten through to this part. Uh, Elijah comes on the scene so abruptly and tells the king, until I say so, there will not be any rain in Israel. So for three and a half years, there was no rain there. Uh, God has moved, God moved Elijah to a brook where the ravens fed him for a period of time. The brook dried up, and then God moved him from there to Sidon, which is a seaport town up in the region of Phoenicia. Sidon is the hometown of Jezebel. You remember her, right? And boy, does it fit. That entire region is given over to Baal worship and Asherah worship. It is some of the most vile, disgusting, the, the, the uh, looking for an excuse to sin kind of worship that you can imagine. And there's Elijah right in the midst of that. Well, Jesus' point is, is that after three and a half years, people were thirsty, people were hungry. Famine follows drought, right? There's nothing for them to eat. There's nothing for them to drink. And everybody's suffering. The Baal worshipers are suffering. suffering. The Yahweh worshipers are suffering. God sends Elijah not to Jerusalem, not to Nazareth, not to any place, anywhere in the nation of Israel. He sends him to Phoenicia, sends him to Sidon, to the heart center of Baal worship, and there gives relief, not to everybody who's there, but to one widow woman and her son. Why wouldn't God do that in Israel? That's what the people listening to Jesus are asking. In the same tone that they would say to him, what we've heard you do there, we want to see you do here. They're saying, why isn't God doing something here? Why, why isn't God bringing revival here? <clears throat> why isn't God bringing spiritual awakening here? Why isn't God doing great miracles here? And the reality is, is that they wouldn't believe. That famine, that drought, 
was a judgment from God against His people. It was because of their great sin that that came. And not one of them, verse 26 says, was Elijah sent to except to Zarephath. Now, there's a second illustration. Look at verse 27. The prophet who followed Elijah was Elisha. And God did it again. He says, and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Remember Naaman? He's from Syria. He's from a place that does not worship God. He has, he has leprosy. <clears throat> and Elisha goes to him and tells him, you need to dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River. And they look at the Jordan River like we look at the Chattahoochee and say, I ain't getting in that nasty water. You know, there ain't no way I'm getting in that. I'm not going to go to that dirty water. Why don't I go back home to Syria? If I just got to dip myself in water, I'll dip myself in clean water up there. Servant who was far wiser than the master said, if he had asked you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? Why don't you do this one thing? And so Naaman goes to the Jordan River Dips himself once, he's still leprous. Twice, he's still leprous. Three times, he's still leprous. Five times, he's still leprous. The seventh time, he comes up and he's clean as he can be. Now, God could have done that to anybody who had leprosy. But yet the point of Jesus' illustration is this. There were many lepers in Israel. And God did not do that. Why? Because of their unbelief. Because of their rejection. Listen, there's coming a passage of Scripture where the Bible says God could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. Not that He just simply wouldn't do it. But it's an amazing passage to be able to think about God could not do that work because of their unbelief. Is that why God doesn't send us revival? Is that why we don't see great spiritual awakening? Is that why I continually write down the same name year after year after year on cards just like the one in front of you? Not because God is not capable, but because of our unbelief, because of our rejection, because of our sinfulness. That he moves on and he brings great revival to places like Africa. Brings great revival to villages in South America. We stand here waiting, just going through the rituals. Not hearing the message. Not heeding the message. But hating the message, just like they did, they were repulsed to think that they were the target of that illustration. It should bother us. I mean, it should. That these things can be said of us. But are we repulsed? Or are we repentant? 
such a distinction, isn't there? Let's keep going. Number next. (laughs) They raged at his testimony. They raged at his testimony. First they're offended, but now there's something welling up in them that makes them want to strike out, even at the Lord. Verse number 28. Then all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. They were filled with rage, with anger, not humility, not repentance. They go away from this place mad, not forgiven. They go away from this place looking to do harm, not expecting God to do good. How will we leave today? The same? Still waiting? Still waiting on God to do some marvelous trick for us? What if He never does? What if you never see Him do something remarkable? Will you still believe? That's the point Jesus is trying to bring them to. Believe. Simply because it's true. Believe. Simply because He is. Believe. Simply because it is worth it. Look at how they left. Verse number 29. You'd almost would say that these aren't Baptists because they finally did something together. (laughs) But they're finally rallying. They found something to rally at, a rally point, if you will. They rallied for Jesus' termination. For Him to get out, for Him to be done. And worse yet, look at what they try to do to Him. It says they were filled with wrath. And in verse 29, and they rose up and thrust him out of the city and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built that they might throw him down over a cliff. That's serious, isn't it? They mean business. They're going to kill Jesus for what he has said. They put up with people like Ahab and Jezebel. They put up with people like the false prophets that Gamaliel will tell them about. They put up with Rome. They put up with the Baals. They put up with so many things, but they will not put up with Jesus. devil had a stranglehold on them. Listen to this. The devil may have a stranglehold 
on the person more than anybody else that you want to see saved. That power, that hold has to be broken. Can you do that? God can do that. Pray that he would do that. Do you even believe that he could do that? I'm telling you, there are people sitting in this room that have had a stranglehold of the devil on their life and that that stranglehold has been broken. He's done it before, he can do it again. What do you do? If that person that you wrote their name down, if they say no yet again, if they reject the Lord yet again, what do you do if they reject you? You know, there are a number of people who will not share Christ with their friends because they're afraid that their friends will, will, I mean, that they'll lose them as friends. What will you do? If you are rejected, can I show you two verses in here? Two verses about how Jesus responded to that. Two ways that you should respond to that. The first is in the very first verse that we read, verse number 22. And it says that they bore witness and marveled at the gracious words. Speak. With gracious words. Speak with gracious words. We talked to the teenagers this past Wednesday about treating other people with grace, with mercy, and with peace. Paul said that comes out of your relationship with God. Do you know what characteristic it is that really umbrellas that whole thing? that allows you to speak gracious words to someone who has rejected you, to treat somebody with grace, to treat somebody with mercy, to treat somebody with peace. It's love. You didn't write that person's name on there because you hate them. You wrote that person's name on that card because you love them. So even if they reject you and even if they reject Christ, be gracious, be merciful, be peaceful to them. Speak gracious words. Because the time may be coming when they will listen. And now they'll be ready to hear. That's one. Speak gracious words. That's what we do when people reject us. Number two is not the first verse, but the last verse that we want to read. It's verse number 30. This is miraculous. I mean, if you have in your mind a picture of verse number 29, where everybody in that synagogue now has risen up, has Jesus, and they're just kind of pushing him, forcing him. The Bible says thrusting him out of the synagogue and out of the city and all the way to the brow of the hill where they're ready to push him over. I mean, it is a mob scene, isn't it? 
Look what Jesus does in verse number 30. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. He just left. He just walked right through them. So what do you do? What do you do when somebody rejects you as they're rejecting Christ? You speak gracious words. And then there's time where you just walk away. You don't have to stand there and defend him. You certainly don't have to stand there and defend yourself. Sometimes it's better to just walk away and ask God to give you another opportunity. Are you going to do it? You gonna pray for somebody? You look for an opportunity to share with them? Just in case you face this kind of scenario, I want you to be equipped and ready to handle that. Because in the same way that God didn't give up on you, you don't have to give up on them. Jesus didn't give up on the people of Nazareth. And he never gave up on you. Let's pray. Would you take a moment right now as we pray and pray for that friend or that family member that you have already written down or maybe that you want to, maybe somebody that you will write down today. Ask God to intervene in their life. Ask God to give you an opportunity to speak gracious words, words of grace to them. Let me ask you this. Have you given your heart to Jesus? I mean yours. If you haven't, I encourage you to do that today. There's plenty of room still at this altar. I would encourage you to come Spend some time praying over your friend or your family member, praying for yourself. Maybe even just praying that God would give you courage. If I can help you with that, if I can pray with you, I want to. But I want you to spend some time with the Lord. Lord Jesus, hear these prayers all around the room. We pray that you would save people for your glory's sake, for their good, for eternity. Father, send us revival. Don't let our unbelief be what gets in the way. Change our minds and change our hearts. Help us to trust you at every point. And send us spiritual awakening. We pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with Sharing the message of Jesus is not easy and sometimes not received. The beautiful thing is we can still love and continue to share the love of Christ through our actions and investing in people's lives with Christ's love. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David.
Podcast.